are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. where you are today to take out a Bible or maybe turn it on. And let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And we have been moving through 2 Timothy in a series called Grit. And when you think about grit, you got to define it. What is grit? Well, to have grit means you know your purpose in Jesus. You have passion for Jesus. But part of having grit is the courage to endure. All right, the courage to keep going uh, and to keep pressing forward no matter how hard it is. That's what it means to have grit. And so think about it this way. When the going gets tough, the disciple of Jesus keeps going. All right, so when the going gets tough, the disciple of Jesus just keeps going. That's what it means to have grit. And so Paul is writing this letter to Timothy a young man in the faith. He's a pastor. He's been a missionary with Paul. He's you know, been traveling around sharing the gospel. But for Timothy, things are not easy. Uh, he's ministering. He's living in a context uh, where the government is, is suppressing them. Uh, the government is persecuting them. I mean, this is Paul that's, that's locked up into prison because of his faith in Jesus, and he's going to die for that faith in Christ. So you, you have a government that's kind of coming down on Christians. That's the context in which he lives. Uh, there's personal issues that Timothy's going through. There's false teachers that he's having to deal with in the church. And so those are some of the challenges that Timothy has. I want you to think, what's your number one challenge right now in your life? What are you struggling with right now? I mean, be thinking about that. For those of you that are online today, what's your number one challenge as you're sitting at home today and think about that? What's your number one struggle? See, Paul reminds us in this passage, in the letter as a whole, that there is strength to be found in struggles. Uh, there is hope when it seems hopeless that you can endure those things as believers in Christ by just continuing to keep pressing on. So when the going gets tough, the disciple of Jesus just keeps pressing. So how does it look to have endurance? How, how does that grit look in our lives to keep on pressing? Well, I want you to notice first in verse 1 that Paul calls us to be strengthened by the gospel. Look in verse 1 with me. He says, you then my child, and he doesn't mean biological child. He just calling him a child. It's a term of endearment. It's an older mentor to a mentee. He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So he's calling Timothy right there. He's calling you and calling me that when it gets hard to keep going to find strength. Now, where is the source of the strength? Is Paul calling Timothy, just try harder? I mean, don't you love that when you're struggling with something and just somebody tells you to try harder, right? Just keep trying, try harder. No, I'm trying hard enough. Like, I mean, you know, like you don't love that. It's not great advice. What does he mean? Is he saying try harder, dig a little deeper, right? Pull up your bootstraps? Is it that? Well, probably as Texans, we would go, yeah, like, right? We're Texans. This is what we do. Right? It's not what Timothy's after. This is not what Paul's saying. Notice the source of strength. What does verse one say? Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by the gospel. 
So here's where you find strength when you're struggling. Here's where you find hope when you're hopeless. It's in your relationship with Jesus. It's being connected to Christ and staying connected to Christ. So Jesus says it this way in John 15, 5. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, that he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So spiritual strength is found in that connection with Christ. Jesus says, abide in me. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when he's struggling and he's having a hard time in his faith, he says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 through 10, when God responds, he says, my grace, Paul, is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So your spiritual strength to keep going, keep pressing, is not found in how much Bible you know. It's not found in how long you've been a Christian. It's not found in how many years you've done ministry. That spiritual strength to keep going is found in the gospel. Is found by being connected to Christ in that relationship with him. So this morning, you may say, look, <laughs> I'm at the end of my rope. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I feel like I want to walk away. I don't know what to do next. I'm ready to quit. And if it, that's you, listen, you are exactly where you need to be. You're in a good spot. You know why you're in a good spot right there? Because you've come to the end of you. And now you finally admitted you need help. And you need somebody to help you. And that person's name is Jesus. See, when we come to the end of ourselves, that's where we find strength. Where we come to the end of ourselves and we say, Jesus, I can't do this. I can't keep pressing. I can't keep going. That's exactly where you need to be. Because Christ says, finally, you've admitted that. Just abide in me, and I'll give you the strength to keep going. When the going gets tough, the disciple of Jesus keeps on going. But I want you to notice not only where the strength comes from, but what we're to do with that gospel. Look in verse 2. He says, And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others as well. So notice not only uh, are we to continue in the strength of the gospel, we're to pass on the gospel. Verse 2 says, teach the gospel to other people. Chapter 1, Paul says, Timothy, guard the gospel. Chapter 2, pass on the gospel. Chapter 3, protect the gospel. Chapter 4, preach the gospel. So what you're seeing throughout the Bible is this simple, simple concept that you and I do every single day. You pass on what you know, right? You, you pass on what you know. Don't you guys do that all the time? You pass on what you know. Think about it. You've, you've taught somebody a recipe in your life because you knew that recipe. Maybe you've taught your kid to drive, how to shoot a gun, how to change the oil, how to change a tire. Maybe even at work, you're somebody who's had a new employee and you train them how to do a job. You pass on what you know all the time. So this is what we do with the gospel. As people who have come to know Christ as our Savior, we're to pass on what we know about Jesus. Now, 
I know what you're thinking because some of you have said this to me before. You say, well, Lee, that's easy. You're a preacher. That's what you do. That's easy for you. That's hard for me. I can't pass on the gospel. You do that. I don't. Let me let you in on a little insight in my life, okay? I'm comfortable in groups. Put me in front of a group, and I can talk all day long. I love groups. Ask me to go meet somebody I have never met in my life. That frightens me. Isn't that weird being an extrovert? Like, I'm an extrovert. Once you get to know me, man, I just keep on talking. But ask me to meet a stranger. My heart starts beating fast. My hands get sweaty. I am horrible at small talk. Horrible at small talk. When I meet new people, it usually goes like this. Hey, my name's Lee. What's your name? You know, oh, Tim. Okay. Where are you from, Tim? Alvin? Cool. Then I'm out. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say next, right? So, I mean, you may struggle with that like I do, but here's the thing. To press on in your faith, to keep growing in your faith, to endure in your faith, you have to do what God's called you to do because faith is a muscle. And the more you exercise that muscle, the stronger the faith gets. You learn to rely on God more and more and more. So there's times I've got to go meet that new person. I'm like, oh, God, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm walking over to him the whole time. I'm practicing small talk. Okay, my name's Lee. What's your name? All right, where are you from? Okay, I got to get beyond where you're from this week. Right? I mean, like, I got to keep working at that. You know, put me in a group. I'm good. But God says, ah, go talk to that person. That's hard. But the more you exercise that muscle, the more the faith grows within you and the more you can learn to endure in your faith. And so verse 2 calls us, pass on the gospel. But uh, stop and just think for a minute about this. And, and I, I thought about it in a new way this week. And it just, it, it's amazing to me. I don't know if it's going to be amazing to you or not. Or you're just going to go like, well, yeah, that's a pretty easy concept to understand. But where did Paul write this? If you've been with us the last few weeks, where do you write it? Just shout it out. Where do you write it? Prison. Okay. So he's writing this in prison under guard. He gets it to Timothy, who Timothy then does what verse 2 says, and he preaches and he shares it with others, and then others share it with others, and others share it with others. And 2,000 years later, in Alvin, Texas, I'm sharing it with you. And it's being shared all around our world when someone stands up to preach 2 Timothy. Isn't that amazing? To stop and think, that like survived over 2,000 years. And it originated out of a Roman prison cell. Just because people did verse 2. And it just, it just floors me. So enduring through your faith is when it gets tough, keep going. Because when the going gets tough, the disciple of Jesus keeps on going. So be strengthened in the gospel, pass on the gospel, but notice verses three through seven, endure through the gospel. Verse three, it says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Notice in verse 3, he says something that should catch our attention right off the bat. Share in suffering. 
The Bible teaches us that as people of God, we will suffer. You know, you, you just read all the way through Genesis through Revelation, and you see men and women uh, who are very faithful to God who still suffered in their lives. All right, so suffering, even though it does catch us off guard, should never catch us off guard because that's part of the Christian life. We, we suffer as believers in Christ. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, in verses 14 through 17. But he says, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so Timothy then learns three images that Paul gives him of how to suffer well and how to keep on pressing on in your faith through suffering. We find our strength in the gospel. We pass on the gospel. We suffer through the gospel. So he says in verse 4, here's how you're to suffer. He says, suffer like a soldier. He says, no soldier should get entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who has enlisted him. Now, when he says, don't get entangled in civilian pursuits, is he saying we don't love our wives? We don't love our husbands? We don't work? We don't vote? <laughs> What's the, what does he mean by don't get entangled in civilian pursuits? He's saying, look, yeah, we, we do all those things the New Testament would teach us. But he's saying this, at the end of the day, your focus is to please the one who enlisted you. So as a soldier, at the end of the day, your focus should be to please your enlisting officer. Well, as a Christian, who's enlisted us? It's Jesus. So at the end of the day, when your head hits the pillow, have I done what I'm supposed to do to please Jesus? When you breathe your last breath, have I lived my life to please Jesus? Because here's the thing, you and I need to constantly remind ourselves over and over and over again, no one stands in judgment before God as a group. You stand in judgment before God one by one. No one will stand with you in judgment. It's just you and God. It's just me and God. So you don't get to say like, oh, hey, God, I, I didn't do what you wanted me to do because of like, that guy, three people down, right? It doesn't work that way. It's you and God. You've got to answer for you. So are you living the way God wants you to live? Because that's verse five. That's the image there. It's of an athlete. He says, an athlete's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. This culture that Paul is living in uh, loves sports. I mean, you think we nerd out on sports, man, the Romans nerded out on sports. They love sports. Do you know in the Roman calendar, there's a 365-day Roman calendar like our calendar. They had 156 days of holidays to give people off to go to the gladiator games, right? Cool, right? Can you imagine you get 156 days off of work, so you get to go watch sports? Yeah, right? So in that culture, as an athlete, like it was a big deal to be an athlete, and you didn't want to cheat in that culture. Now, we know in our culture, uh, sometimes teams 
and people cheat and they still win. I'm not going to talk about, yeah, we're just going to keep on moving due to our context of where we live. Some people who may be watching the live stream of other states, just move your trash can off to the side, right? Okay, there we go. But the point is, what Paul's saying is compete the right way. Live the right way as a Christian, because again, you answer to the Lord. But notice also, he says to press on. He gives us that farmer illustration. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. You know, listen, as a farmer, you plant, you water, you manage, but you don't control the crop. You plant, you water, you manage, but you don't control what happens. You don't control the outcome of the crop. In your spiritual life, what he's getting at there is keep on pressing, keep on watering, keep on managing, keep on sowing the word of God into your life. Don't quit. Paul says it this way in Galatians 6, 9 through 10. I I love it this way. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good things. For in due season you'll reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of the faith. So growth in the Christian life, it comes through suffering by enduring through it. And you find that strength of enduring in the gospel, in your relationship with Christ. But finally, Paul says it this way. He says to keep on enduring, to keep on pressing on, to have that grit. You have to remember who the hero of the story is. You have to remember who the hero of the story is. Let's pick up in verse 8. He says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead and the offspring of David as preached in my gospel for which I'm suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. All right, so a little audience participation time. I need you to help me out on this. Online audience, you can click the like button there on our Facebook post if you agree with this. How many of you love movies? All right, I need to know who I'm talking to here. All right, movies? All right, a lot of movie fans. I love movies. Going to the movies is a hobby of mine, all right? I absolutely love going to the movies, and 2020 has wrecked that hobby, right? It is really just kind of, I mean, I miss going to movies. And the reason I love going to movies is because, you know, I get to sit there, it's dark, you know, you're watching something, you just kind of space out, you relax. But movies do something to us. See, a, a good movie moves into your emotions, and it stirs up your emotions. But what a movie often does is it exposes a universal truth that only makes sense in the light of the gospel. Right? So, so a movie often exposes a universal truth that everybody can understand, but then that truth only makes sense in the light of the gospel. I'll, I'll give you an example. If you watch a superhero movie, we understand the superhero should beat the villain. You know, the bad guy should lose to the good guy. That light should overcome darkness. So anytime you're watching a movie like that, you're watching in the final battle scene, like it, it plays out like this pretty much every movie this way. Like the good guy starts losing and he starts losing. It looks like the bad guy's going to win. And you're sitting there, you're thinking, wait a minute, whoa, 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 hang on. The good guy's got to win. He's got to win. This is what's supposed to happen. Good should overcome evil right? And then the good guy rallies, and he comes back, and in the climax scene, man, he takes out the bad guy, and we're like, all right, got it. We feel good about this, because we know that good 
is supposed to be bad. Then we watched Marvel's Infinity War. And when that movie came out, if you haven't seen this, I'm totally about to wreck the end of it for you. But it's been a few years, I feel safe. When that movie came out, we, again, we love movies. And so, yes, I pulled my teenager out of school on a Friday on opening day to go see it at 3 o'clock. You can judge me later, all right? But we do the Marvel movies on opening day in our house. And so I asked David that morning, I was like, dude, what are you doing about 3 o'clock? He's like, I don't really have any homework or any tests. All right, I'm going to pick you up early. We're going to hit Infinity War. Like, so we're there. We're in a movie theater packed, a couple of hundred people. Screen goes black, and it is dead silent. Like, you could heard a mouse burp in this place. I mean, <laughs> nothing. Nobody moved. It was quiet. You know why? Because the bad guy won. Thanos snapped his fingers, and half the people in the universe disappeared. Like, we had to watch Iron Man cradling Spider-Man. And Spider-Man looking at Iron Man is like, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. And he starts disappearing in front of our eyes on screen. I don't know if the pollen count was high that day, but something got in my eyes at that point. And I'm just like, man. And I mean, it's dark. It is quiet. We're all sitting there in silence. And David's to my left. I'm sitting there in the middle. And there's this lady. I don't know who she is. We, we didn't meet because, again, I'm bad at small talk. And... Um, <laughs> And she just, right to my right, she yells out, that's not right. That's not right. And she starts packing up her bags. She's standing up like, ma'am, listen, listen, there's a post-credit scene. Like, don't leave too early. There's a little more to come. And she's just yelling out, that's not right. She is walking literally down the steps, pointing at the screen. That's not right. That's not right. You know, when they crucified Jesus on the cross, there's a lot of disciples that went home that day that said, that's not right. There's a lot of people that saw the crucifixion of Jesus that day and said, that's not right. Why? Because it looked like bad had won. It looked like evil had triumphed. But three days later, Christ came back and good overtook evil. And he said it all right. See, Jesus takes what looks not right and he makes it right. And so when it looks dark, when it looks bad, when it looks hard, Jesus says, hang on, I'm reversing all of this around to make bad right. So notice what he says. He's the hero of the story. Verse 8, remember Jesus. He's risen from the dead. The offspring of David has preached in my gospel. As we're remembering Christ and him being the hero of the story, he says in verse 9 that the word of God is not bound in chains. I love what Paul says it there. He says, I'm suffering bound in chains, but the word of God is not bound. The good news is this. You don't have to panic. God's word's going out. Governments can try to stop it. I mean, we have seen in 2020 something more this year than I thought may have been 10 years down the road, where you're seeing governments now, whether they be some of our state governments, some of our national governments, starting to say, churches, here's what you can and can't do. Listen, we're heading down a road where that's going to become more and more prevalent. But the good news is, you're not going to stop it. 
right? You can read through history and you can look around our world right now and you know where the gospel's exploding? China. And what's China done? China's government has tried for years and years and years to outlaw Christianity, to suppress Christianity, to persecute Christians. And you know where it's exploding? Left and right, right there in the midst of it. Why? Because you're not going to chain it up. You're not going to lock it up. You're not going to stop it no matter how hard you try. Why? Because Jesus is the hero, amen? Because Jesus makes right what's wrong. It's Christ who turns it all around. And so therefore, in verse 10, you and I can endure. We can understand our suffering is never wasted in Christ. As hard things we go through, it's never wasted. Look at verse 10. Therefore, I endure for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with us in eternal glory. But you have to understand, the hard times you go through, man, they're never wasted with God. As you're enduring through those, they're never wasted. I, I, I mentioned it earlier and when I was praying about singing. And I, I mean that. I absolutely, that's one part that just encourages me. And you don't know how much it encourages others. When you go through hard times in your life and you still show up and you still sing and you still worship, there are people who are looking around going, man, I know what that guy's going through. And boy, he's still worshiping Jesus. I know what she's going through and she's still worshiping Jesus. Wow, that's awesome. You're, God's using you by your presence, by your singing, by your participation, by your service to show that when the going gets tough, the disciple of Jesus keeps on going. Your suffering's never wasted. I love the way Paul says it in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I know suffering's hard. I know a lot of you have been through a lot. But what if that's the time, that's the instance that God is going to use you the most to spread the good news of Jesus? Keep enduring. Keep going. I love the way Paul ends this section of the letter. It's really a, a promise and a warning. And he's showing us in verses 11 through 13 that even in life when you want to quit and you want to walk away from the Lord and, and it's hard and you think you're done, remember these words in verses 11 through 13. He says, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. What a promise. And if we die, if we give our lives to Christ, we'll live with him. If we endure, we keep on going, we'll reign with Christ. But here's a warning, which is also a promise. If we deny him, he'll deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. When you meet Jesus one day face to face, he's going to say one of two things to you. He's going to first say either, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me. Go to the place of weeping and gnashing of the teeth of utter darkness. I, I don't know you. Some of you may hear that. Some of you may hear that, those of you that are watching online this morning. Or he'll say this. 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, if you met Christ right now, what would he say? Would he say, depart from me? I, I don't know you. Or is he going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant? When the going gets tough, the disciple of Jesus keeps going. 